In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Please be seated. Today is Thanksgiving Day, almost 400 years after the original Thanksgiving. If you can believe that, we're coming up on the 400th anniversary. They sailed in 1620, and the first Thanksgiving was celebrated in 1621. Uh, So that very important anniversary is coming upon us. The idea of giving thanks to God and celebrating the harvest is not new. In fact, um, it's maybe the oldest thing that mankind has ever done. If you think back to Genesis and you remember uh, what Cain and Abel did uh, when they first had a harvest, they gave to the Lord in order to give thanks. So they brought their produce together and they gave it to the Lord. So in some ways, giving thanks to God for the produce of the land is the oldest thing that we do. And you'll remember that the Lord distinguishes between Cain and Abel based on how it is that they give. Cain simply gives. Abel gives out of his first fruits. He gives the first that he has. And really this makes all the difference in giving and in thanking somebody. If you think about if we're going to have a birthday party and we say to the birthday person, oh, we're so happy that you're here with us and we're so glad that you're here. We really want to celebrate you and your birthday. And then we divide up the birthday cake and then we cut it up and we say, oh, there's a piece left. You can have it, right? That's not a celebration of the person's birthday, is it? If it's, I'll see if I've got any left and if there's some left over, I'll give some to you right? The birthday person gets the first piece, right? That's how we give thanks for that person. That's how we acknowledge. We say, you're going to have the first piece. If something happens between now and when I get my piece, that's okay. And so when we give thanks, we have to give thanks out of our first fruits. Giving thanks out of the leftovers is not thanksgiving. That's something else. That's a tip, right? We're not supposed to be tipping the Lord, we're supposed to be thanking Him. And it's not because He needs anything, because the point is, everything is His, right? And so we have to be reminded of that, because sometimes we start to think all this is ours. And people behave like that, right? We accumulate stuff, and we accumulate possessions as if we're going to take it with us. And we're not, right? We're not. We're going to go out of this world the same way that we came into it, right? And so we have to remind ourselves over and over again, oh yeah, this isn't mine. Oh yeah, God gave me all this stuff. Oh yeah, I need to be thankful. Rather than thinking I deserve it, and it's because I'm a good person, and these other people don't have what they don't have because they're not good people, but I'm a good person, right? We get into that so easily. So giving thanks is all about reminding ourselves that everything that I have is given to me by God, and I need to be rejoicing and thankfulness. That's the point of uh, both of the lessons this morning. That's what uh, St. James tells us. He says, every good gift, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. So he's saying anything good that we have, God has given us. And of course, the first thing that he gave us that is uh, the essential thing that we give thanks for is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he's saying that we are supposed to become those first fruits. So again, our, our money, our time, all those things are ways of us giving ourselves to God. It's our lives, first and foremost, that need to be those first fruits that we give to God. We need to be giving ourselves to Him. We need to be giving our thoughts, our prayers, uh, the, the, the responsibilities that we have, the duties that we have, all of that stuff we're supposed to be giving to God. And we're supposed to be orienting ourselves according to His will for us. 
Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. So we become first fruits of God when we are thinking about, first of all, what is the kingdom of God? Where is the kingdom of God? Where is the kingdom of God in my life? How am I supposed to be participating in the kingdom of God? And if we do that first, everything else falls into place. Our careers and our relationships and how we relate to things and politics and all that stuff takes a backseat. It all comes and when we first think about where is the God and where is His will for me? How am I living in His kingdom? And let me seek that first. That's what the pilgrims were doing. And looking back on it, they were crazy people, right? 120, 130 of them living in a space about as big as this sanctuary. I mean, look around. 130 people for months. For months. It's amazing they didn't kill each other, right? And that at the end of that, they were able to come out with a document as transformative as the Mayflower Compact, that they still had their minds, their faculties, once again, focused upon God and upon His will. It's incredible. And they had to do that because they understood a couple of things. They understood not all of them were Puritans. As I've said before, only about 28 of those adults were Puritans. The rest are strangers, many of them children. And they're already realizing we need to understand and orient ourselves as a common group according to God's law. And we have to be agreed on what that is. Sometimes people think, oh, they were coming over for religious freedom in the way that people think of it today. Nobody in the 17th century thought of religious freedom the way that we do today, which is just go and do what you want. Everybody understood that for any good government to work, for any civil society to be in place, it had to recognize God. And that if there were members of that society that did not recognize God and were not orienting themselves according to God's law and will, that society would crumble. They knew that. They weren't seeking to go off and just do something different. They knew that their civil society had to be oriented. They weren't looking to just be Puritans in England. They wanted everybody to be Puritans in England. And it was only 20 years later that the Civil War erupted for that very purpose. So their goals were that they would be living according to their conscience to God's law. And the older I get, the more I appreciate that. The more I realize... These Puritans, they wanted to get rid of my candles. They wanted to get rid of my vestments, my bishops. There's so much in the church that I don't agree with them about at all. But they're following their conscience and they're willing to give up everything for that is remarkable. And the more and more that we focus on that and we realize what it was that they were willing to give up and what we have gained because of their sacrifice, I think the more thanks that we will give the more we realize what it was that they gave up, that they sacrificed their lives and their comforts and what was familiar in order to seek God first and to seek following God in their conscience and to organize civil society according to His law. That was first and foremost in their minds and we have benefited immensely because of that. Immensely. As always, we can talk a lot about them, but hearing it from their own words can make all the difference. A letter sent from New England to a friend in these parts setting forth a brief and true declaration of the worth of that plantation is also certain useful directions for such as intend a voyage into these parts. Written by Edward Winslow, Plymouth in New England, the 11th of December, 1621.
loving and old friend. Although I received no letter from you by this ship, yet forasmuch as I know you expect the performance of my promise, which was to write unto you truly and faithfully of all things, I have therefore at this time sent unto you accordingly, referring you for further satisfaction to our more large relations. You shall understand that in this little time that a few of us have been here, we have built seven dwelling houses, and four for the use of the plantation, and have made preparation for diverse others. We set the last spring some twenty acres of Indian corn, and sowed some six acres of barley and peas, and according to the manner of the Indians, we manured our ground with herring, or rather shads, which we have in great abundance, and take with great ease at our doors. Our corn did prove well, and God be praised we had a good increase of Indian corn, and our barley indifferent good. But our peas not worth the gathering, for we feared they were too late sown. They came up very well and blossomed, but the sun parched them in the blossom. Our harvest being gotten in, our governor sent four men on fowling, that so we might after have of a special manner rejoice together, after we had gathered the fruit of our labors. They four, in one day, killed as much fowl as with a little help beside, served the company almost a week, at which time, amongst other recreations, we exercised our arms, many of the Indians coming amongst us, and among the rest their greatest, King Massaswa, with some ninety men, whom for three days we entertained and feasted. And they went out and killed five deer, which they brought to the plantation and bestowed on our governor, and upon the captain and others. And although it be not always so plentiful as it was at this time with us, yet by the goodness of God, we are so far from want that we often wish you partakers of our plenty.